Nicholson. Come on, honey. It's funny because I haven't done a whole lot of crime through this, except for when I stepped foot in this house, and now that I get to stand before you. But as I begin to share, you'll understand why. Uh, because I have found out that, not that I didn't know before, but I should say it this way. I am more convinced now than I've ever been that God is real, that the word works, that the life that we live by faith is not a life being led in vain. You're not going in circles. You're not spinning your wheels. You're not wasting time. You're just not. It's, it's, it's. The word works. The word is a keeper. And when you're rooted and planted in the house, you're rooted and planted in the courts of God. When you accept your righteous lifestyle, you flourish. You flourish. And no matter what the evil one brings, and I want all of us to get over it, okay? Yes. We're not going to keep counting how many people are down, how many people are sick, how many people coughed this Sunday, how many people sneezed, how many people went in the hospital, how many people stumped their toe, how many Ah, We're not going to do that. Because can I tell you something? According to Revelation 12 and 12, the devil is mad as all get out. Because he knows his time is short. So if you're going to keep a ticker tape on how much you go through, you ain't got enough journals. And I'll prove it to you tonight. Let's go to Psalm number 34 and verse 19. And let's read that together. We're ready? Yes. All right. Let's read. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. Read that again. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. Can we have it in the contemporary English version? Look at this. Read it. The Lord's people may suffer a lot, but the Lord brings them safely through. You may take your seat. Father God, I thank you tonight for this opportunity. <laughs> I thank you, Father God, that I can open my mouth, speak, and be heard in the earth realm. <laughs> oh, God, I thank you so much for these, your precious people, my family. I thank you for them. I thank you, Father God, that as this word goes forth, that it'll be a timeless word, God, that it won't just be a word for today and a word for these people who are gathered together in this house, but this will be a word that will go yes. throughout, throughout eternity, Father God, a word that will travel over, Father God, land masses that all will hear, God, that you are good and that you are, you are our deliverer, you are our keeper, you preserve our lives, Father God. We thank you, Father God. 
God, that as I open my mouth and speak, souls will begin to settle down in the name of Jesus. Faith will be built in this house, Father God, and we will go on and go out knowing that we have the victory. I love you and I thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So I, I just want to make this blanket statement right here. Good people go through. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. Good people go through. So don't Google anymore, read any more online stories about why do bad things happen to good people. The Bible tells us that good people will go through. But if you stay on the Lord's side, you maintain your righteous state, he will deliver you out of some of them. Some of them. I don't care how grim, how gruesome, how ugly, how hard it gets. He will deliver. I'm a witness. I was asking God how to testify, how to tell it, because it wasn't pretty. And I didn't know, I don't want to gross anybody out. I don't want to make nobody, but I don't know how to tell it. And for people to get the full magnitude of how good God is and how bad things can really get, but God is a keeper. God, I don't know how long God had his hand on my body and kept things from breaking off, drifting, killing. I I don't know how long. Now, I can trace the symptoms. I can trace the symptoms. But I don't know how long the Lord had his hand on me. And I'm going to tell you something. The Lord has his hand on each and every one of his children. Yes, his eyes are on us, but his hand is on each and every one of his children. So many are the afflictions of the righteous, but our God, our Lord, Jehovah God, he will deliver us out of them So good people go through. Now, it's funny because the last time I stood before you, what to do when you're going through, I didn't realize how prophetic that message was. I didn't know that as I was standing before you that I was actually preaching to me. And... I knew I was preaching to me based on, as I told you in the message, something I'd already gone through, some experience, and he told me how to build myself up and to encourage myself and to get through it. But I didn't know that the biggest test of my life was on the horizon, and he needed to make sure I knew what to do. So here's what he told me. Remember, number one, get your joy up. Keep your joy up. Don't let your joy slip. When you catch your joy slipping, you catch your attitude getting bad, you catch your soul getting out of way, catch yourself because you got to keep your joy up. You don't know the moment, the hour Satan decides, I want to try you. See, in the church, religious church is always worried about when God's going to pull your number. Well, I'll tell you something. God's not pulling number. He is keeping us. He's preserving us. He's watching over us. But Satan desires, Peter, to sift you like wheat. He desires to do that. So I didn't know that I wasn't going to let people make me mad. I didn't know why. You just brush it off. People treat you ugly, just brush it off. Something don't do go the way you think it ought to go, brush it off, shake it off. Keep your joy up. In the middle of the storm, in the middle of the fight, keep your joy up. When he comes and pushes you, presses on you, brings a bad thought to you, you don't get sad, you don't get depressed, you don't allow yourself to even feel overwhelmed. You keep your joy up. And we understood what that joy was. We keep our gladness. We keep our cheerfulness. We keep a calm delight. Number two, he told me to seek wisdom, remember? He told me from Proverbs 2 and 6, from my mouth, 
comes wisdom. So that tells me that I need to know how to hear what comes out of his mouth. I need to know. I can't get in a battle and try to figure out how to hear from God. Ladies and gentlemen, we need to know right now how to hear his voice. The Bible tells us that his sheep hear his voice. So I need to make sure that I know how to discern the voice of God because he is the only one who's going to lead us through. And if you can't hear his voice, you might not make it through. Because when I got in the battle, it was his voice that got me up. Number three, build your faith. Now, you cannot, and I'm going to go over it again, and I need you to hear me. You cannot build your faith when you're in the battle. You cannot. Here's why you're not going to be able to, because if the battle gets real good, as it got for me, you're going to be on some stuff. And you don't even know where you are. When you got a delighted being pumped into you on a meter, you don't know where you, you ain't got time to be confessing. You can't sit up with your little notebook and pull out all your scriptures and put them on the wall. You're not going to have time for that. It better be hidden in your heart already. If it, you cannot build your faith in the midst of the fire. Because the fire is hot and you're going to forget. But if it's in your heart, some kind of way, out of the abundance of the heart, your mouth will speak. Even when you're under the influence of narcotics that you didn't know they gave human beings. Like, why would you give a human something that... Build your faith. I'm going to show you how to build your faith because this is what I had to do when I was lying on my back. Jude 20, please. But, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith Praying in the Holy Spirit. Now, you already have the Holy Faith. You're not using praying in tongues to get faith. No, you're building up the faith you have. See, some people want to go into those panic tongues. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. We don't need a panic tongue. We need a controlled, intentional tongue that's going to help me build up, gird up. Bring it to me in the amplified version so they can see what I'm talking about, please. Listen to this. Jude 20, 120. Yeah, let's do it that way, Jude 120. It says it this way, but you, beloved, Build yourselves up, founded on your most holy faith. Look at this. Make progress. Rise like an edifice, higher and higher, praying in the Holy Spirit. So you're building on what you already have. You're not praying to get it. You're building on the foundation of faith that you already have. Not that you hope to have. The faith you already have your most holy faith. Not pastor's most holy faith. Because at 8 o'clock, he stayed later. He had to leave me. And while things happen at night, it would have been great if every traumatic thing took place in the morning when everybody was there when the best RNs were on the floor, and then, you know, the, 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 the creepy ones are overnight. Oh, God, who are you and why are you in my room? But I couldn't rely on his faith. I couldn't. I, I, I couldn't. Because his faith 
doesn't help what's going on in this soul. Okay? I have to have my own. All right? So look, many are the afflictions. Many, not a few. Christians, we're going to go through because we have an adversary. And he hates us. He hates the righteous stance that we have. He hates what team we're on. He hates that God has shared his glory with us. He hates that we, when he looks at us, that he sees Jesus. He hates it. He hates it. So he brings pressures on us, things on us. He pushes against us to bring us out of our Jesus likeness. But what happens is, if he presses on the righteous ones, he'll find out that you're Jesus through and through. You're not surface Jesus. You're not Jesus on Sunday and Wednesday. You're not Jesus in your flight team. No, as he is, so are you in this world, through and through. He's angry, y'all. Because he has a short time. But I'm telling you, many are the afflictions of the righteous. You're going to go through some things. Now, listen, I am not saying set your faith on going through stuff. I'm trying to help you know what to do when you start to go. When that thing shows up at your house, how not to freak out. How to stay in calm delight. How to stay cheerful. How to stay joyful. Yes, we have divine life. But do you know you got to press into that? You got to press into that thing. You got to press into divine health because there's so much to come and tell you otherwise. You know, we didn't ask for COVID. I had never had a flu. I, I, I never knew what the flu was. I didn't know. I never, I never had a flu. But then they released this thing on the world. And now all of us have to figure out what to do when, when, when you got stuff coming from, like, what is this? We didn't plan that. You didn't have a scripture to build yourself up on that. But can I tell you something? If you already had your faith built up, you went through it with flying colors. I was reflecting last night with Mom Alberta when that thing hit her hard. It hit her hard, and I just looked at it last night. I thought to myself, you, according to, to, to statistics, you were supposed to be gone. And then as I'm driving home, I got to thinking about my grandma, who never missed the service. And if she had it, Lord Jesus, she carried it well, because I never knew. But I don't know how she could, because all of us came in here one point of time, barking and carrying on and bringing up stuff. But, but what I know was, what I know is, he is a deliverer. If you want to be delivered. All right? So many are the afflictions of the righteous. Look at that word afflictions. It's the Hebrew word ra. It means adversity. Many are the adversities. Many are the ills, the hurts, the evil, evil that gives pain unhappiness, misery. Look at that one word right there, malignant. Those are bad and evil things, but if you're battling cancer, he'll deliver you out of it. He got something for malignancies. He, got, he has something for it. All right? Injury, wrong, distress, bad, unpleasant. Unpleasantries, I would say that. So he can deliver us out of all of them. Go to uh, Psalm 3419, please. And let's look at it in the contemporary English version. Look at this. The Lord people, let's look at it again, may suffer how much? But he will sometimes. See, that's where we got to set our faith. He's going to always get me out of it. He's going to always get me out of it. Oh, this is coming up. He's going to get me out of it. He's going to get me out of it. I'm coming out of it. I'm coming. Listen, y'all. I'm telling y'all. Not only did he hit us with the, the, the medical, but then there's bills that come behind. Can I tell you what he's doing? He's delivering us out of all of them. I'm watching him come in, and I'm watching him be paid. I said I'm watching him come in, and I'm watching him be paid. He is delivering us out of this. 
Give it to him. I said, God, how am I able to do? He said, just, just pay her. Just, just, just. I said, that's all. That's all for all that. I said, God, that's supernatural. I take it. I said, I take it. Pay her. Because he's doing what? Delivering us out of them all. See, don't sit and wait. If it's financial, y'all, because people going through, I can look at it because I see all these images. People going through. Even if it's financial, because everybody not sick. The people that are sick are a handful, and they've been battling things a long time, and they're winning. Listen to this. Uh, uh, what is it? First Timothy 6 and 12. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life. So some people are fighting a fight. Every battle is a fight when you're using faith. But here's the point. You keep fighting until you win. At no point do you quit. At no point do you give up. At no point do you concede. We don't give up any ground. You stay in the fight. It's kind of like school halls, you know, schoolyard fights. You just keep pushing them in. Nope, get back in there. Nope, get back. Now y'all, I'm a 70s baby. These little, these little children now, they don't fight. They don't, they don't, they don't, they don't, they just cry all the time. Oh my God. Just, just, but my age group, you just, you just kept getting back in there. You just kept getting back in there. You just, okay, Dusty Rose. Okay, y'all watch. You lay down on the mat, they start to count, they get to about seven, and you jump back up, and you get back up in there. They jump back up with a vigor, like, well, how you? It don't matter what I did when I fell down. I'm still in the fight. So you just keep fighting. Well, it's taking too long. Who cares how long it takes? You're winning. You're winning. I had no intentions of being in a hospital eight days. But as one day turned into two days, turned into three days, turned into four days, turned into eight, all I kept thinking was I'm winning. Oh, I'm winning. Oh, I'm, I'm winning. Oh, good morning. You need more blood? I'm winning. They were taking blood from everywhere, Lord Jesus. But you stay in there until you win. Well, everybody's not fighting a physical battle. Some people need to be delivered from financial battles. Well, I know a little bit about that. And he will deliver you if you stay in the fight. But if we keep giving up ground to the devil. All right, so many are the afflictions, but the Lord will get us out of all of them. Now, one of the battles you have to fight is a battle in your soul. And it was so funny when I was in the hospital, a lady came in. And um, my veins in this left arm are really, really small. And uh, they did a sonogram to find the vein so that they could put an IV in. And she says, I'm going to tell you something. This is day one. She says, just be patient. And I said, God, that's you. I knew it was him. With patience, possess your soul. So whatever you do while you're here, do not get impatient. Settle your soul down and be patient, and I said, yes, ma'am. But when you're in the, the soul realm, your mind is where, you know, the soul, part of the soul, and that's where the evil one likes to operate. So he sends little thoughts, he sends little images, he says little things to you, and you have to keep your mind, you have to keep your soul right. Well, one of the thoughts that kept coming was, you're not supposed to be here because you preach healing. You're not supposed to be here because the man of God just laid hands on you and you're healed. You're not supposed to be here because you preach. How are you in here? You teach. How are you in here? You're a woman of faith. How are you in here? You sow seeds and you have vows that you pay. How are you in here? All right. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12 in the Amplified Classic.
1 Peter 4.12, amplified. There we go. Beloved, look at this. Do not be amazed and bewildered at the fiery ordeal which is taking place to test your quality, to test your faith, to test and see what you made of. Are you really with Jesus? Are you only with Jesus when things are going well? I want to test the quality of your relationship. As though something strange, unusual, and alien to you and your position was befalling you. Don't think it's strange. So you just cast that right on the side. That was the biggest battle I had. I said, no, God, we walk in divine health. My man of God taught us about divine life, divine health. That's where I'm supposed to be. I'm not supposed to be here. He says, don't pay that. This is not something strange that's happening to you. And then I started listening to testimonies. Listen, you know, Brother Copeland talking about the pacemaker he had to have. Jerry, Jesse Duplantis talking about the open heart surgery that he had to have. And I'm sitting there, I'm thinking, you know, great, great, great men of faith who've seen dead people raised and ears opening, and yet they had a battle that required help. And so as I was laying there, and I'm like, well, God, what is it? He says, adjust your faith, and one day I'll preach properly positioned faith. See, because what you can do when you think you know a lot and you've been taught and you've heard so much and you've heard so many scriptures and you got all your favorite and you've broken up with traditional television and you just watch word, 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 is you can start to have faith in your faith. And you sit up and you, you, you don't, um, you're not fighting properly because you think you know so much. I'll just confess this. I'll just sow a seed here. I'll just, I'll just quote this scripture. I'll just, you got faith in your faith. Because your faith has gotten you out of a jam before, you just use your faith. But my faith is not supposed to be in my faith. My faith is supposed to be in God. My faith is supposed to be, as Dad Durber just taught us, the power of the resurrection, the resurrection life power that we now have. That's where the faith, that is what energizes the word to bring it to pass in my life. But if I'm always being prideful and using Faith in faith to get me through, you'll find out that that's not how it works. So divine health and divine life is ours. And you don't lower your standard. You don't lower your target. You don't set your thermostat on anything else. But what I'm going to tell you is don't think it's strange when you go through. Don't think it's strange because you've been in a faith church for so long, because you know so much. Don't think it's strange, okay? Now, Here's how he helped me. He took me through the scripture and he showed me some great men of faith suffered. Go to Galatians chapter 4, verses 12 through 15 in the Living Bible. Listen to what Paul said. Because we'll look at people and discount them and discredit them because they're going through some things. Don't do that. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. It says, dear brothers, please feel as I do about these things. For I am as free from these chains as you used to be. You did not despise me uh, when I first preached to you, even though, look at this, I was sick. Paul got sick? Even though I was sick when I first brought you the good news of Christ. But even though my sickness was revolting to you, you didn't reject me and turn me away. No, you took me in and cared for me as though I were an angel from God or even Jesus Christ himself. Where is that happy spirit that we felt together then? For in those days, I know you would have gladly taken out your own eyes and given them to replace mine if that would have helped me. So Paul had some sort of sickness that was absolutely, he felt, should have been revolting in the eyes of the people he was preaching to. All right, let's keep going. Look at Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 23 in the CEV. He says, stop drinking only water. Take a little wine to help your stomach, your stomach trouble, and the other illnesses you often have. Hi, Timothy. This is Apostle Timothy. Other illnesses that he often has. We have an adversary. And we can't put our faith in this flesh. 
One more place. Philippians chapter 2, verses 25 through 30 in the New Living Translation. Meanwhile, I thought I should send uh, Epaphroditus back to you. He is a true brother, co-worker, and fellow soldier, and he was your messenger to help me in my need. I am sending him because he has been longing to see you, and he was very distressed that you heard he was ill. And he was certainly ill. In fact, he almost died. But God. But God had mercy on him and also on me so that I would not have to have one sorrow after another. So I am all the more anxious to send him back to you, for I know you will be glad to see him, and then I will not be worried about you. Welcome him in the Lord's love and with great joy, and give him the honor that people like him deserve. Look at this. For he risked his life for the work of Christ, and he was at the point of death, look at this, while doing for me what you couldn't do from far away. So Epaphroditus, Paul's co-laborer, co-worker, so you know what? Dad prophesied over me a great healing ministry. And that's got to bump up against, but I got sick. It had to bump up against, but I almost died. And God just said, so what? So what? So what you've been through? You've got victory. Yeah. Romans 8.18. Romans 8.18. Elder Jeff ministered this so beautifully. If I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy, not worthy to be compared to the glory which shall be revealed in us. Now look at it in the Passion Translation. Hallelujah. I am convinced that any suffering we endure is less than nothing compared to the magnitude of glory that is about to be revealed within us. So just because you got a little suffering going on, it doesn't matter compared to the glory, what God is going to do through us, with us. We can still do great things even though we've been through some things. It doesn't matter. You know, today, I just I didn't give you a title of this message, but it's a testimony of deliverance. Amen. Testimony of deliverance. <laughs> because Pastor Kim got sick. And um, I had many afflictions, but the Lord delivered me out of them all. So on November 13th, we were here celebrating my birthday. Praising the Lord, number one. And as I stood there, I could feel my left leg just get heavy. It was weird. It almost felt like one leg was longer than the other. And I had on four-inch heels, and my faith says you don't sit down. My faith said you stand up and you press through. Faith and faith, just do, just, you know. I'm not finna look at it. I didn't even look at it. I just knew it felt funny. So we went to dinner to celebrate, and uh, at the end of the meal, I had a sharp pain that hit me in my left groin area. And I got up, and I walked, and I just began to pray in the Holy Ghost. And in the name of Jesus, you know, you know, walked around, and Pastor, you know, prayed, and Pastor Caleb prayed, and, you know, amen, and just moved on. Went home, went to bed, went to work Monday, played with the kids, cooked for the kids, carried on like nothing happened. Tuesday was my birthday, and that's when the first, uh, the first time I really saw the hand of God moving in this situation. Uh, JJ, who used to work for the school, decided that an awesome birthday gift for me, which was, would be, I'd come to work for free. And I'm going to relieve you, Pastor Kim, to do whatever it is you want to do on your birthday. Maybe go have breakfast. But I didn't leave and go anywhere. But I told Pastor, I said, you know what? 
I think I should go to an urgent care because this leg is getting bigger and it, it's, just, it's just not, it, this ain't right, this ain't normal. Let me just go in. So I went and, and the, the nurse practitioner looked at me and, and she said, yeah, that leg is big. But then she said, how long has your stomach been this distended? I'm like, what? I said, that's just my belly. I don't, and she said, mm-mm. She wanted me to take a pregnancy test. I'm like, lady, <laughs> listen ye to me. <laughs> listen ye to me. No, that is not happening. Um, and, uh, you know, she wanted to do a urine test. I had already gone to the bathroom before I left because I have these little, I don't go to the bathroom everywhere. So before I leave where I am, use the restroom. So I couldn't give the urine test. She says, okay, well, this is what I want to do. I want you to go, and I want you to have an ultrasound, and uh, I want you to go have some blood work, and we're going to go from there. Okay, so I made the appointments, went to do that, and uh, went home that evening because I couldn't get in until the next day. Go home, go to bed, and the leg is just getting bigger. And I, I tried to sleep, and I couldn't sleep. I said, okay, wait a minute, wait a minute. I know what to do with swelling. So I got my compression tights, I put my compression tights on, I elevated my legs, and I laid down. And at about four in the morning, Father God woke me up. He said, get up and go to the hospital. Now, I don't go to the hospital. I ain't been in the hospital since I birthed Jonathan. That's 16 years ago. He said, go. I wake up my husband. I said, John, the Lord said, go. I said, go get the kids, wake them all up. Let's give them some instructions for the day. Take care of this. Uh, so he, uh, we did that. He says, we're going to St. Anthony's. I said, we're going to St. Anthony's. Okay, you know. He comes from the south side. You know I'm going to go to Bayfront, but we'll go to St. Anthony's. Pass right by Bayfront. <laughs> And it's so funny because I was with Oswald. He's so funny. He was like, now, which way do I turn to go to St. Anthony's? <laughs> that's exactly. So he's St. Anthony's. He heard St. And that's what we did. So we walk into the emergency room. And that was the first sign. The second sign that God was there because there was nobody in the emergency room. There was nobody in the emergency room. There was one lady who was in triage, and I knew they weren't going to fool with her. They sent her back out there to the waiting room, and they bought me in, triaged me, bought me in the back, put me in my room. Um, within immediately, a sonogram person came in. Well, the doctor came in, showed him what was going on with the leg. Hey, let's get a sonogram in here. They began to look at the leg. My leg was full of blood clots. As the doctor, as the, the sonogram, the radiologist was looking at the leg, she was like, he only ordered one leg. He said, but I'm going to check the other leg. Now, before I left home, I'd had a leg cramp in the right leg, and it was pretty severe. But I've been having leg cramps. I don't pay it any mind. Drink some pickle juice and go back to bed. <laughs> That's just what I did. Well... She does both legs. The doctor comes in, and he says, now, I'm glad she did that second leg. I only ordered one. He said, but that leg, his blood clots in it as well, just wasn't swollen. But he said, have you, um, do you run marathons? I said, run marathons? No. He said, did somebody punch you, kick you in your calf? No. Did you fall off a curb? No. The cramp was so bad in my leg that it tore my calf muscle. And I'm like, what? Now, this thing is moving pretty fast because I, I still have on my clothes, my street clothes. They, they get me to a room. I'm like, I'm already in a room. Why am I, I'm in a room. Why am I? They will me to a room. I got a room. I'm, I, okay, I've got a room. From the emergency room to a hospital room. I'm still in the emergency room. I'm still in the emergency area. Triage area. Right. Right. Sonogram done. Going, getting ready to go to a room. They needed to order a, TC, a CT scan. They take me to have that done. Now, that's later on in the day. I'm just laying there. Take me to have that done. As they're wheeling me out of that room, the radiologist comes from the back, which is weird. He says, ma'am. I was like, what? He says, do you have your appendix? 
appendix. He says, okay, wait a minute. He says, I said, oh, I had a surgery as a child. I don't have a left kidney. He says, was it surgically removed? I'm like, what are you, how else would it not be there? <laughs> I said, yeah, so I left, took me, now I'm in a regular room at this point. Take me to the room. I'm laying there, so finally the doctors start coming in. They begin to tell me that my uterus was now the size of a full-term baby and that that uterus was laying on my femoral veins that were carrying the blood back from my legs up to my heart. Have you had shortness of breath? Have you had this? Have you, you know, no. How long has this been going on? Just questions after questions after questions. They said, okay, we're gonna deal with that. Well, when the ER, the uh, doctor said, we're going to bring in, um, I'm glad you're here because we have a special technique here to deal with blood clots. And I said, oh, okay. He says, you know, no one else in this region has this. We'll take care of this, and it'll be no problem. St. Anthony's. He heard to go to St. Anthony's. So, okay, we're going to do this. And a, and a special, yeah, they have a brand-new surgical room that they were going to, it's just for, it's powerful. I said, okay, amen. So I'm still in my clothes, y'all. They're going to do this procedure. They're, they're, it's moving really rapidly. Um, I told them at that time, uh, it was my monthly time, and it had been rather weird, but no big deal. It stopped. And I'm like, it normally doesn't stop because when you have issues, it's, it's bad. So I laid there and laid there. They said, okay, it's time for the procedure. They take me down to, oh, yeah, they put me on blood thinners because of the clots. It was a lot, y'all. Put me on the blood thinners because of the clots. It's running through the IV, yada, yada, yada. Take me down to get ready to go and do the, uh, the, remove the clots. And she says, okay, get up. You have to take a pregnancy test. Can you get to the bathroom on your own? I'm like, what is it? She says, hospital procedure. Okay, as I get up to go to the bathroom, I feel things happening. I'm like, ma'am, something's not right. Um, I go in the bathroom. She says, okay, you're fine, you're fine. Just go in. As I begin to go to the restroom, blood began to leave my body. Blood began to leave my body to the place where blood was coming from under the bathroom door. It was, it was surreal. And pastor heard all the commotion because now at this point, everybody's running. Everybody's running. I look up and there had to be 12 people standing at the bathroom door. And I'm like, what is going on? And I see my husband. Now, I'm thinking it's the voice of God, because I, I said out loud, I'm getting ready to pass out. I thought it was God that says, Kim, don't pass out. But he said it was him. He said, but I didn't know who it was. It sounded like God to me. <laughs> don't pass out. So what rose up in me was Philippians chapter 4. And verse 6, whatever things are just, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, you think on these things, and the God of peace will be with you. I said, okay. I said, hey, everybody. You know I'm loud. Let me tell you about my children. Because had I begun to bleed out, on the third floor, when it takes a nurse 10 minutes to get to your room, yeah. <sighs> but why are you telling us all this? Because you overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of the testimony. Amen. And I love not my life to the death. But if somebody can win from me, Sharon, win. Because had that happened on the third floor with them scrambling, freaking out, not knowing where it's coming from, not knowing... But it happened 
in front of the two radiologists that were going to remove the blood clots. They were standing in the hallway looking at me. And they were like, hey, let's get her to the, I can't get the good room. Let's get her to the other room now. And they went in, and they said, hey, we, we, don't, we don't have time to sedate her. Because I was losing too much blood to go under general anesthesia. So they gave me a local. And those doctors who work for God, embolize the uterus. They cut off the four arteries that lead to that uterus. And as I laid there on that table, the Lord reminded me about joy. He said, remember, a merry heart does good like medicine. So I began to talk, and I began to laugh, and I began to ask them, is this this new room y'all bragging about because it don't look that great, you know? <laughs> and after I got my joy back up, I knew the next thing I needed to do was to praise. And I began to sing and sing, you're a good, good father. And I sang it so, I sang it and I sang it and I sang it. The next few days later when I saw one of the nurses, from that procedure. She said, that song you were singing, she says, when I left, I went and found it when I got in my car. And she said, oh, it just, it just, it just helped me. It, was, it just helped me. And I sang that song. I sang the goodness of God. I sang worthy. I sang all of it as they did whatever it is they do. So you would think we're good, right? <laughs> Well, that uterus was so big that not only was it blocking my femoral veins, but it was also lying on my ureter, which is the tube that carries waste from your kidney to your bladder. Problem with that is I have one kidney. I need that. <laughs> well, the Lord sends in a, a, a urologist to see me, and she comes and she sits next to my bed, and she says, Hey, I got to tell you something. She says, you have the largest kidney I've ever seen. She said, and I know when I read your case, you must have had this take, taken out when you're young. She says, but it's so big. It's like, and God, from seven years old, she said that kidney could do the work of, she says, what? And I said, God's been taking care of me because I didn't know that. She says, but I want to tell you something. It's functioning at 100%. She said, yeah. She says, there's just, they, there's just a little hydro something, she call it, because it was be, fluid was backing up in it. She says, but don't worry. She says, because when they go in to do your hysterectomy, I said, do, do my what? She said, yeah, you're having a hysterectomy. Now, this is the urologist, and you're having it now, and I was like, no, 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 hold on. You're a urologist, how are you making this call? She sat next to my bed, she said, you're having it now. She said, and what, we're, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna put a stent in to protect that vein. She says, now here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna call in a doctor I know. She says, she's the best. But she don't work at this hospital. I'm gonna call in. Now, I don't have doctors. There's nobody on my side. I don't have a team. I didn't come in with a primary care. Who's going? I had nobody. But God, who is rich in mercy. And he, man, she said, but I'm going to have her do it because she's the only one I trust to do it. And I'm like, I don't know. I don't know you. But all of these people are working for him. So she says, I'm going to have her come reach you. Now, by this time, one of those floating doctors come in, and he says to me, <laughs> you've been breathing all this time? You've never had shortened the breath? Your chest never hurt it? He said, you should be dead. <laughs> never had a stroke? Never had? He said, you should be dead. I said, <laughs> he said, 
don't test God anymore. You t-. And I'm like, I said, you don't know, you don't know my God. I didn't test him. He's been keeping me. But they don't, you know. So then another doctor comes in who I don't know, because a lot of them are making a lot of money off of this. The hematologist comes in because at this point I've lost a lot of blood. Well, here I am, two blood transfusions later. But, but God. So she says she's going to come and she's going to do this surgery because she said, I don't trust a regular gynecologist. She says because the size of this uterus, you need a, a gynecologist, oncologist. She says because she won't be freaked out by something this size. And we don't need them nicking any arteries, nicking any other things because she said it's everywhere. It's above your umbilicus and all the way down to where it's supposed to be. It's everywhere. I said, okay. But another doctor comes in and says, well, here's what we're going to do. We're just going to put you on blood thinners. And in a few months, we'll visit the uterus. I'm like, okay, that's what. The next day, the urologist comes back in, and she says, no, we're doing it Monday. I already have it set up. I already talked to the doctor. She will be here. You're doing this now. And so the doctor comes in, and she says, hi, I'm Dr. So-and-so, and she says, I'm going to do your surgery. And she began to explain everything. <sighs> and she says, I have three surgeries at Bayfront. She says, but I'm going to come over here and do yours when I'm done. And I'm sitting there like, God, his hand was everywhere. 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 So as we get ready to go down, so Friday, uh, Friday I went and they, they did finally did the blood clot removal. They were able to do that. They got all those out of the way, so they cleared all of that out. And uh, the urologist became my buddy. He came up to my room and, and showed me the veins. They had taken all these pictures to show me where the veins were blocked and then showing me where the veins were clear, and now you could see blood flowing. But the leg was still huge, and I knew. So it's the uterus. <laughs> Didn't want to lose it, so she came in and she says, hey, I'm going to take everything. I'm going to take your uterus. I'm going to take your ovaries. We're going to just, and I said, no, ma'am. I said, no. I said, I want the pretty cut. <laughs> and I want my ovaries. So she said, let me tell you something. You're not getting the pretty cut. She said, there's no way. There's no way I can do that but I want my ovaries. So we got to the surgery that Monday evening because she's working at her hospital. And she came over. I'm in the, the prep room. She comes running in with her backpack on her back and her little thing on. She says, I told you I was coming. I'm here. And they were there. The anesthesiologist was there. And and I looked up at all of them, because it was a whole team. I said, I need you guys to hear me. You're working for God today. And I said, I need you guys to be listening, because he's going to give you wisdom. He's going to tell you guys things and show you things that you didn't learn in school. Listen to him. You're working for him today, all right? And he looked at me like, like, OK, OK. So I went in, and I came out. <laughs> and it's all by the goodness of God. He is a deliverer. But I'm going to tell you, when the bad news comes, ladies and gentlemen, don't freak out. I never freaked out. I never cried. I listened more than I spoke. Because I knew that I had to possess my soul. I know a lot of y'all text me, and I appreciate your text and all of that. I'm just going to tell you a secret. It wasn't me responding. <laughs> pastor responded. Why? Why? Why did Pastor respond? And I say that because it was important for me not to get over in my soul. I did not... I, I didn't need my emotions running the room. I didn't, I didn't need that. But he read every last one of them to me, and I received your, your prayers carried me, and I appreciate them all. 
But when you're in the battle, you got to stay calm. Can we look at Psalm number 112, verses 7 and 8 in the Passion Translation? We knew that joy meant calm delight, but my daughter shared this with me, and I just think it just, it blessed me, and I'm sure it'll bless you. Whenever you're going through, remember this scripture. They, the upright or the righteous, they will not live in fear or dread of what may come, for their hearts are firm, firm ever secure in faith. Steady and strong, they will not be afraid, but will calmly face every foe until they go down in defeat. We don't freak out and fight. We stay calm and fight. While I was there, the Lord encouraged me with another scripture, Psalm number 138, verses 7 and 8 in the message. We know 138 and 8 tells us that he will perfect those things that concern me. He says, but watch this, Kim. He says, when I walk in the thick of trouble, and I was in the thick of trouble, he says, keep me alive in angry turmoil. Look at this. With one hand, strike my foes, and with the other hand, save me. Finish what you started in me, God. Your love is eternal. Don't quit on me now. And so every step of the way, every step of the way, I would see that. I would see God with one hand, the left hand, beating up the enemy. And with the right hand, he was saving me. And I kept that image before me the entire time. I mean the entire time. Beat them up, but at the same time you're beating them up, keep your hand on me and save me. Don't quit on me now. Hallelujah. Don't quit on me now. One last place. Go to John 16, 33. John 16, 33. We know this really well. These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. I've overcome it. You're going to have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I've overcome it. Okay, I lied. One more place. <laughs> First Timothy. Is that First Timothy? Second Timothy chapter 1. And let's start at verse 7. And let's see it in the Passion Translation, please. My Olivia shared this with me, and I'm going to tell you, I'm going to say it publicly. My family. My kids kept my house running. They're keeping the school running. They kept me. <laughs> they encouraged me. They took communion with me. <laughs> they prayed. And I, I, just, I just have to say, my husband, I call him my RN. <laughs> As I was talking to, I think I was talking to my mom or talking to one of the girls, and, and I told him this. I was talking about my husband, and I was lamenting for people who want to be married and who are going through and they're dating bobos. If he's no good to you when things are going well, he ain't going to be there when things go bad. So if you're struggling when things are good with somebody, let him go. Because when the rubber meets the road and life happens, you need to know that they're going to be there. If I didn't know before, I know that man loves me. If I had an ounce of question, he took care of me. I, he's still taking care of me. Yeah, just, just, just let me have that moment. <laughs> Second Timothy chapter 1. Look at this. 
For God will never give you the spirit of fear. But the Holy Spirit who gives you mighty power, love, and self-control. So never be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor be embarrassed over my imprisonment. But overcome every evil by the revelation of the power of God. Overcome every evil situation with the power of God. Look at this. He gave us resurrection life. He gave me resurrection life and drew us to himself by his holy calling on our lives. There's a calling, there's a destiny that's pulling us and keeping us alive. There's too much that I have to do. There's too much that you have to do. You can't leave here. Nobody else can do it the way you can do it. Nobody else can do it the way God has called me to do it. There's a calling. So he's drawing us to himself by the holy calling on our lives. And it wasn't because of any good we have done, but by his divine pleasure. Look at this. And marvelous grace that confirmed our union with the anointed Jesus, even before time. This truth is now unveiled by the revelation of anointed Jesus. Look at this, our life giver, who has dismantled death, <laughs> obliterating all its effects on our lives, and has manifested to us his immortal life in us by the gospel. So our Lord Jesus is a life giver. And he has dismantled, tore death apart, <laughs> obliterating all its effects on our lives. He's the life giver. And if we would just stay with him and not get over into the flesh, not get over into fear, not get over into any other worldly mechanisms. Stay with God. He'll tell you when to go. He'll tell you if you don't need to go. But he told me to go. And I'm glad I did. Because I remember the countless times I've flown and my leg has swollen and I just chalked it off to, to, to altitude. Went to Frankfurt, leg swollen. Oh, it's because we're in the mountains. God was keeping me. Cramps that would, that would just make me scream. God was keeping me. Because all the while, all the while, he was dismantling death and obliterating all its effects on our lives. So I just want to encourage you today that the Lord God will deliver. This is my testimony of deliverance. <laughs> deliverance, 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 deliverance. Hallelujah. And if he did it for me, he'll do it. He'll do it. He'll do it. He'll do it. I'm more convinced now than ever that the Lord, he loves us. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Come on and praise the Lord tonight in this place. Come on. Come on, why don't you help us celebrate the goodness of our God? Help us celebrate the faithfulness of our God. Help us celebrate God's integrity. Help us celebrate God's goodness, his love. His mercy and His kindness. Come on, help us celebrate right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Our God is good. Our God is awesome. Our God is mighty. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. We give you praise tonight, Father. We give you praise tonight, Father. We thank you for your hand of power, your hand of mercy. Thank you for your hand upon us. Thank you for showing yourself strong on our behalf. Thank you, Lord, for another testimony of deliverance, God. Another testimony of victory, God. Another testimony of overcoming, oh God. Thank you, Lord. 
that the testimony of Jesus Christ is a spirit of prophecy, oh God. So, Lord, we expect that the same things you've done for Pastor Kim, you'll do for others, oh God, because you're faithful. You change not, oh God. You're the same yesterday, today, and evermore, God. You're no respect of persons, oh God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. You're so good. We love you. Hallelujah. And God, we ask that, God, you complete that work. Complete that work. You said you'll perfect those things that concern us. You're the author and the finisher of our faith. The work you've begun in us, you'll complete it to the day of Jesus Christ. So God, thank you, Father, that the finished work that Jesus Christ did on Calvary's cross provides us the ability to finish the work you've given to us. Thank you, Father. Enables us to finish what you've started in us, oh God. Knowing that you called us before time began. And God, there's a calling upon our lives and a plan that death cannot stop. That sickness and disease cannot stop. So our faith is in you. Our faith is in the resurrected Christ. The resurrection life power. And God, we think that that power is working in us, every one of us right now. And it defeats every attack of the enemy, all affliction, spiritually, physically, emotionally, financially, God. We are overcomers. We are more than conquerors through Christ who loved us. We thank you tonight. We thank you. It's, Lord, it's our joy to see our woman of God standing tall and standing strong, standing in victory. We're so thankful. We're so thankful. We're so thankful for how you kept her all these years. Thank you for the years to come. Use her in a mighty way in teaching and preaching, prosperity, healing, controlling in the soul, oh God. Thank you that the revelation will flow freely from her and that God, you'll accompany every word she speaks with signs following. Thank you for that healing ministry that she'll walk in. That she's to walk in now, that healing ministry, God, that healing anointing. We thank you, Father, that she'll walk in and live in it. And many people, thousands will be blessed through her life and through her ministry. We thank you for it. We give you the praise tonight, Father, as we celebrate together. In Jesus' mighty name, if you agree, shout amen. 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 Come on, put those hands together and give Father.